As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the game World Cup 22. Our first preview show as we look ahead to the tournament in Qatar. We'll be talking about England's chances, who we'd pick for their first game against Iran and what the future might hold for their manager Gareth Southgate. We'll also be talking about Wales as they go to their first tournament in 64 years. Can their old guards still perform? The likes of Bale, Ramsey, Allen and Davis. We'll also be talking about some of the young energy provided within their squad and whether they might be one of our dark horses. We'll also be talking about the tournament as a whole and some of the negative aspects we may be discussing over the coming weeks. This is The Game. Hello and welcome to The Game, World Cup 22. This is our first preview show. I'm Hugh Wizencroft, by the way, if you don't know me. Alison Rudd, Gregor Robertson and the mighty Matt Dickinson here to uh, look at the home nation's chances. We'll talk about the tournament as a whole as well, I think, over the next 45 or so minutes. And we'll begin with England, shall we? Uh, Their campaign begins in Group B against Iran on the second day of the tournament. That's next Monday, a 1pm kickoff. uh, That evening, Wales will play the United States. We'll look ahead to Rob Page's side and what they can do at this tournament very shortly. But we begin with England and we begin with the E word. Expectation. Let's get it out. What are we expecting from England at the World Cup? Alison. Well, I'm not expecting a lot, so I'll be fine. I think it's that toughest group of all the groups I would say it's the group of death depends what you mean by what a group of death is but used to just mean very boring and there probably will be quite a few draws the rankings range from 5 to 20 so anything can happen if they're that concertinaed I think and the overarching thing is everyone loves beating England so they will all raise their games for that maybe Iran's big game will be against the USA but otherwise Wales will lift their game to play England. The USA will lift their game to play England. England are traditionally not very good at lifting their game in games where they're supposed to win and dominate. They invariably don't. They have a problem with it. I think they think too long term as an entity, England. They're always thinking about what's come next. You've got to navigate the group first and show what you can do in the group stage, not assume you you need time to gel and then you'll get better. It's the same for everyone, for goodness sake. I think it's a really, really tough group, emotionally, practically, and I think we underestimate the opponents in that group at our peril. They don't sound sexy, but they are all capable of, with the right plan, executing an upset. And the way they play against each other might just fall badly for England as well. You know, people will pick up points that mean England are chasing in the group where they quite obviously shouldn't be as as the fifth ranked team in the tournament. So I my expectation is 
it'll be a bit of a success if they get out of the group with ease, to be quite honest. OK. Well, that's a cheery start for England, all you suppose. It's a very cheery start, and I must apologise to our Welsh listeners. <laughs> you're still sexy, guys. Don't worry about it. But your expectation, just very quickly, your genuine expectation, what is it? Not getting out of the group phase. Genuinely. Genuinely. You're not certainly, just certainly not beyond quarterfinal. What do you really think will happen? What do I really <laughs> think will happen? What do you really, really think I will really, happen? I really, really think they might not get out of the group stage. You heard it here first. Matt? What are your thoughts then? Okay. Um, Might not get out of the group to begin with. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to get too happy clappy in uh, in comparison, but I mean, uh, no, I mean, as Alison said, I mean, statistically, it is the toughest group on on the um, average ranking. That said, you know, Wales, as we'll get onto, I think uh, are weakened, um, should be beatable. England should get through it. And I mean, if you want a realistic expectation, it would be quarterfinal. I don't, you know, I think there is enough doubt over collective form from England in the last year, over some individual form to, you know, not to be bullish and to feel like there are quite a few question marks. So, you know, I don't think it's going to be, and actually I don't think it's going to be pretty again, as I'm sure we'll get onto. I think Gareth Southgate will revert to a certain sort of belt and braces solid approach i don't think it's you know i'm reading all this stuff about england must go in front foot attack 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 and i'm thinking well a how many international teams go into any big tournament like this going yeah we're just going to go out and go gung-ho it just doesn't happen certainly not with successful teams so i you know yeah put on the spot you would think quarterfinals should be doable but i think it i think we'd all be surprised if we get beyond that i agree with that i've got to say i think if they make it to the quarterfinals may have said it before par for the course anything else exceptional yeah i would say quarterfinals and then it becomes nip and tuck it's about you know it's been said before but your your defense is your weakest weakest part of your team and you're going to need players to step up and perform probably better than we we can we expect them to actually and there to be a kind of coherent you know they're, they're shutting space well and playing as a team together well if you're going to go further than that basically so part of me also feels that it might be a blessing in disguise that you've had such a bad few months you know you've been you were hammered by hungry and stuff because the expectation has fallen it has although you look expectations are never that low with england Let's <laughs> yeah. but it has fallen and people don't people after uh the euros even just you know, despite it being penalty kicks that separated you from winning it, were so kind of downhearted by the way that you didn't have the sort of ability to to capitalise on you know after you've after you've taken the lead to kind of take the game to continue to take the game to Italy, that you sat back and thought you could kind of soak up pressure. I think people were really disheartened by that, and whether that's right or wrong is kind of moot point at the moment. I think I just think that your your expectations have fallen from that and and some of the results you've experienced more recently so I don't think that that may, that may not be a bad thing Alright well England's first game is against Iran what should the approach be in that game in particular you know you spoke about the attack I think England should attack in this game nothing to worry about when it comes to Iran right? Well, I just don't think that's realistic for the way this tournament's set up either. You know, Gregor just mentioned to say we've had you know wobbly form in the last year. There has been no prep. You know, this is a one-off tournament. Two, literally, they're going to be spending two or three days on the training ground before the World Cup. I mean, you know, we could argue about that's nuts in all sorts of ways. Certainly, you know, FIFA didn't think any of that through when this sort of debacle um, unfolded. But, you know, on that basis alone, you can see coaches reverting to what they know what they trust and in Gareth Southgate's case that would I suspect will be the back three you know people might say oh what against Iran against where but I think he will want to establish a pattern I think given the lack of preparation you 
quickly want to establish that pattern and what you feel is going to get you through a tournament. So people will not like it, but I think there's actually a logic to it. Um, so yeah. I, I think people are sort of crying out for England to change something. Six games without a win. You know, why stick with that? I think that's one of the reasons, not just how it went in terms of the tournaments that we've been in and people feeling like we could have gone a little bit more against Italy, maybe even Croatia and got the second goal in the World Cup semi-final. But that going into this but tournament, unless it's an epic rope-a-dope from Gareth Southgate and England players, they're not playing well. To be honest, they're not playing well in really any system, but they, they, they don't do much and they have never really done much in that system in terms of scoring goals and winning games with style. Well, they've not done much apart from reach, you know, a semi-final <laughs> of a World Cup and the final, you know, apart from being the most successful England team in, you know, apart from one in 1966. Yeah, yeah. They've been the most successful team in history. Gareth Southgate has been the most successful manager. And we keep having this debate about what he didn't do against Italy in that final, what he didn't do against Croatia. You know, Gareth Southgate is not the perfect global manager. He could have, he might have made changes in that final against Italy. That might have meant that we didn't surrender the initiative. But equally, I didn't think he should have played wing-backs in that final, and it was the two wing-backs who combined to put England ahead, and actually in that first half, we looked like, wow, we're going to win this tournament. You know, Gareth Southgate, to me, is so far in credit that, you know, of course you could question him, of course you could say, could he have done things better? But oddly enough, Gareth Southgate is not the perfect manager. Gareth Southgate has done, I think, an enormous amount, very, very well. He's transformed an awful lot about, you know, been following England up close for more than two decades and he has done things that no other England manager in my time was capable of. He's also made some decisions that, you know, we can quibble about. But, you know, let's put it in the broader context. It's, it's, say it's, it's amazing how it's sort of recasting a lot of eyes of what Gareth Southgate didn't do in two matches as opposed to what he did do in the other, you know, 20, 30, 40 mm. matches. I understand that completely. But you've got to also remember Gareth Southgate has access to players who play in the best and the most exciting and intense league in the world. He reduces it instead of exploits it. And to me, well, that is that is a travesty. Well, England no, no, should no, be, say, in theory, say that, the then, most exciting team to watch, but, reflecting the positives from the league that most of their players come from. I don't, yeah, well, but this is also the most cosmopolitan international league. I mean, the fact, you know, the fact is that obviously it has not been the case in the last year, but up to this tournament, there were players like Raheem Sterling who had had all kinds of wobbles at, at club level who actually were playing their best football for England. There's an awful lot of players who've actually played their best football for England over the previous two tournaments. So, you know, I, I say, I, you know, I do not think Gareth Southgate is beyond questioning. I don't think he's, you know, he is Gareth Southgate. He is not Pep Guardiola. He is not you know, the world's best coach, but he's just done. I, I don't know. I've just found it a lot of revisionism about the last four or five years particularly in the last 12 months rather odd and you know I, I just think we might stink out this tournament you might be right we might go out in the group stage but I don't think and if he does everyone there will be various people some even in this building who might write you know <laughs> this proves why he was a crap choice all along or Gareth, choice, Gareth Southgate was flawed all along or Gareth Southgate didn't have this that and the other all along Gareth Southgate has had four massively successful years in this job and maybe he goes out on a high, maybe he doesn't, but I, I think there's, you there's been a lot of forgetting. Do you feel he's evolved, though? I think he's evolved no. negatively rather than positive. Well, maybe... He's become, he, he used to be the voice of reason, I felt, you know, and he did a great job in making the players feel more part of a patriotic whole than they did before and having a more positive relationship with the media that was too heavy on them. 
but he's 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 become peculiar. I think he's evolved into into becoming defensive. I think he's evolved into he says strange things. His attitude towards Trent Alexander Arnold is is strange and defensive. And I don't like the idea that he's sat and watched him play and been scared of how he behaves on the pitch rather than embracing the talent he has. That but is I, that is I, odd. And his defense of Harry Maguire and putting loyalty before pragmatism and he doesn't seem to watch games the way I watch them. He doesn't seem to acknowledge the beauty on show from the players he has at his disposal. It isn't just foreign players he watches every week. There are a lot of people who qualify for England and he just seems quite narrow-minded and he seems to evolve into a narrower mindset than a more expansive one. In the last year, I think he's, you know, he's sort of taken a few on the chin and I think when you do that, there may be sort of quite human nature to become more cautious and I, you know I agree I, there have been times when I've wanted him to evolve into a thrilling 4-3-3 and we're you know feel like we're you know the sort of cavalry on the charge but actually A that sort of goes against the grain of a lot of international football and B you know and maybe it's a limitation maybe it is a limitation of him I, you know I'm not sitting here saying Gareth Southgate is perfect he, he may be he may you know, shock horror have limitations as a coach. But all I'm saying is that those limitations, you know, have not stopped us reaching a semi-final and a final, which is more than any other team has done for more than 50 years. Did you ask a question about Gareth Southgate? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm obsessed with the manager all of it. Yeah, really yeah, it. yeah. Well, we, I think we're going to come to Gareth Southgate's Wait, future. You can, but, um, you can be the referee. You can be the referee. <laughs> this one, no an independent, no impartial problem. referee. But it's interesting, the approach to that first game. Let me tell you why. I think if we do stick to the wing-back system with the three at the back, it actually gives Iran a better chance of getting something out of the game because I think it keeps it tighter than it otherwise would be if we actually go out and attack them in a more conventional style that the players are used to. And so for the first game against Iran, Monday the 21st of November, I have chosen a 4-3-3, okay? That is the team that I'm going to go for. I might as well name it. I've gone for Pickford in goal. Trippier right back, White and Stones at centre-half, Luke Shaw as a left-back, Declan Rice, Bellingham and Mount in the middle, Saka, Kane, and I've gone for Grealish across the front because I do think he needs a bit of game time to work his way into it. And I actually think him holding the ball in attack may actually be a better way in this game against a low block. I don't know. We'll see. But um, I think Jack Grealish needs a game rather than deserves a game. So I've started him in that first match. But otherwise, I think pretty strong yeah okay Gregor well again like we've just sort of discussed it before I feel it's influenced by by it's influenced by reality and what Gareth Southgate is likely to do so I'm going to pick 3-4-3 Kyle Walker if he's fit mm-hmm. uh, if not Ben White Dyer and Stones Trippy Rice Bellingham Shaw and I'm going to go Foden Kane Saka alright why? Well, like, like I say, you know, we we can talk till the cows come home about whether they're going to play four at the back, and there might be. I think because it's the opening game. If it, for Iran was, Iran was the third game, and you're already qualified, yeah, yeah. you might you might do that. Mm. Or if he sees a specific reason in a game, like he did against Ukraine in the quarterfinals, to change the change the formation and go for it and feel they can blitz it and they win four 0 that might happen. He ain't going to do that in the first game, no chance. So. For that reason, I want to pick a team that's like got some reality based to be <laughs> based in some reality. So, I think the only one there is, for me, is Foden, who Foden is an incredible talent, but I just don't think he's really stepped up yet for England. But I've, mm. personally, that in the first game, I would like to give him the opportunity to make a good start. Um, we did that at the Euros. 
you know, and I know he got picked up an injury, but also I think he was taken out of the team just before that as well. Yeah. well I think, well, you know, without to turn this back into a Gareth Southgate um, argument, <laughs> I think Foden is one of his sort of the, the question mark. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, he has struggled to find the right, you know, we are not Pep Guardiola's Man City and Foden in there, you know, even if he starts on the sort of wide position, gets to rotate a lot and gets on the ball a lot as a wide forward for England, certainly the last Euros, he suddenly became a bit more isolated as a winger, which is why Saka came in and actually was much more suited to that role. But my team's very similar to to Gregor's Pickford in goal, Carl Walker, I really hope he's fit because I just think he's been massively underestimated in the last two tournaments. His value as an insurance policy, his pace, mm. you know, mopping up errors and saving us. Um, I would start Dyer, um, Central and Stones uh, along the defence. I would have Trippier, Rice, Bellingham and Shaw. And then I would have Saka, Kane, and back to that Foden issue. I like the idea that Foden starts and somehow just clicks with England, but I've I have my doubts, fears about that, and you know I can I can see Mount stroke Grealish, you know, depending on Mount as the more sort of if we need some more numbers dropping into midfield as an option, Grealish if we think we're going to be on the ball and and attacking more. And no one said Sterling yet. No. When he probably will play. Yeah, and and obviously we haven't mentioned Maguire who. You, know, you can't rule out. Oh, I'm about to admit. Oh, don't worry. We'll get to Harry Maguire. <laughs> Sorry, we've gone too early. But you're right. Answer. You're right. I hadn't got Raheem Sterling down as a as an issue to discuss. Alison, have you included him? Well, I'm, I'm, my team's based on Gareth Southgate resigns and they asked me to take over. <laughs> but I'm stuck with the squad he's got. Otherwise, it goes down a rabbit hole of fantasy. But anyway, mm. so I would I would go with Ramsdale on form. He's the best keeper in. English Premier. It's always different, isn't it? He's Ramsdale. the best English keeper in the Premier League at the moment. Pickford's having a bad time at the moment. And my formation, I think, before one, two, three, or four, three, three, if you want to call it that. I'd go with Trent Alexander-Arnold because I'm a Liverpool fan and I think it's disgraceful the way he ought to, <laughs> it ought, it ought to be. It, the team really ought to be built around him because of his, he has more positives than negatives. Mm -hmm. And I as I've said on this podcast before, when he looks like he's not defending well, that's not him. It's He's, he's a symptom of the system breaking down. Nonsense. He's not a bad defender. I'd put <laughs> Stones and Cody in the middle. Cody. Cody had a bad week, but he's had a good season overall. And I will trust Southgate when he says he is the person in the dressing room they all look to, to for unity and has a, a huge personality. Why not have that on the pitch? Why not stick it in the showers? That's ridiculous. Um, Luke, Luke Shaw, I think, uh, had the best six, well, four, five, six months of his career. So very happy for him to start. Uh, Declan Rice, completely reliable. I think he'll be exhausted, by the way, but he's very reliable. So I'll have him sort of mopping up in front. And then I'm going to have Mount and Gallagher together just in mm. front of him because I think... One of the problems with international football is it's a group of strangers. Why not have two players who play together, similar ages, like each other? They're the two positives out of Chelsea at the moment. And I like their both of them have incredible energy. And Gallagher's more likely to get a goal than Mount, so that's why I wouldn't I'd want them both there and not choose one over the other. Uh, Saka's having a fantastic season. He's a definite starter. Harry Kane, because why not? That'd be stupid. And then Madison, based on form, because he's on be, the on the left. He'll be, well. Why not? He'll be. He'll be. He'll be. He's more than capable, and there'll be movement. I mean, Kane. Yeah, we, I don't know when it comes to England. I think we think of Kane as some sort of old-fashioned number nine. He will move. He will make space. He will drop deep. 
it will work. That they are three hugely talented forwards, forward thinkers, creative players who will want to score goals and they will work off each other well. And I would I would choose it for the opening game against Iran in the hope that it all clicks and then you build and build and build on it rather than trying to think too long term. Treat you know, whatever happened to we only think about the next game. Well, the next game's Iran. Don't think about what comes next. Okay. Well, there are similarities between our teams. Well, well, about nine similarities between our three teams. Four or five with yours, uh, Alison. But I like the way you've thought out of the box, as you always do. Yeah, James Madison on the left-hand side is a strong choice. Let's call it that. But it's worth talking about some of the players we have included and not included for that first game. And the big one, I guess, is Harry Maguire, who is one of Southgate's men, one of his trusted deputies, if you like. Is there any way he starts in England's best 11 for Gareth Southgate? It's quite possible. You're asking a lot of Harry Maguire, basically, kind of mentally, because he's been through quite a lot in the last last few months, certainly. he's not, And he's only played 90 minutes, I think, of Premier League football. You're asking a lot of him, but I don't, I, I'm not saying it's impossible at all because I think Southgate could possibly speak to him a number of times and see if he feels he's up, up for it. And if he asks him, I'm sure he'll say yes. So he might play and then I mean, he gets into he, a role in the tournament. But even if he does say yes, I mean, it's the manager's decision to put him in. And it is, it is. I don't know any manager. I mean, most managers, I think, would have would have strongly contemplated leaving him out of the squad. I think you have to strongly contemplate leaving him out of your starting eleven if you're Gareth Southgate. I agree, that's why we've not put him in, yeah. But yeah. He, but I'm just saying, I think it's it's eminently possible that he will play. Yeah, I agree with Gregor. I, I, don't, I, I wouldn't rule it out. I just think, you know, as Gregor totally says, it's you imagine the mental strain that Harry Maguire's going to feel. And it, it's, you know, I think he is a pretty resilient character, but we've seen him wobble under that strain. And, and you know, I have, I have some, you know, you've got to have a basic human sympathy in mm. that respect. He's a very well-paid footballer, but you've sometimes you've seen it on his face, haven't you? You know, at Man United and England that, you know, it's it's just got too much for him. So I I, I personally would not be starting. But, would, um, he's been think, booed by both his home, by his club and country, and country yeah. supporters. Yeah. But do you Frequently, think... regularly. It's like, it really is asking a lot of them. Do you not think, though, that Southgate will think, if he can have a good game against yeah, Iran, that will I mean. be it. That'll be it. That's it's what I mean. You could I've build momentum in the tournament. He we'll could. all love him. He'll be forgiven. He'll make a super clearance. But it's a risk. Iran's only chance. It's a big and risk. Then, then it'll be okay. What about Raheem Sterling? Why isn't he included in our teams anyway? What's the question mark we've got over him? Form. Recent form. That's it? Yeah. But he's also been shunted around different positions, hasn't he? We've seen him play at wing back for, for, for Chelsea. But yeah, I just think there are better options in, you know, I think Saka, I think I'm certainly with Alisson on that point. I think Saka has to should has to be in the starting eleven. He's done it for club, he's done it for country before. He fits that wide forward role, you know, super well. And I think there are some very good options on the other side. I just think, you know, Sterling has been, you know, he was England's best player at, at, at the last Euros. He has been, he has delivered consistently for England, particularly under Gareth Southgate. But I just think it's a basic, basic form choice. If it's the 3-4-3, three, three, I think, I just don't think that system suits him as much. Yeah. Particularly if the, the, the wing backs are going to get forward and he basically comes in a little bit more narrow and that re- requires almost a, a number 10 a set could, more than a winger but it could be you know I mean, equally could turn out which we have obviously seen used it could be more of a 3-5-2 so he could end up basically playing you know it's again it's not unthinkable some people will howl at the a caution of it but it's not unthinkable that he plays say Rice Phillips sitting he plays 
Bellingham or a Mount or Madison even as a 10 and he just plays two. We have seen it with Kane yeah. and Sterling. Kane dropping deep and Sterling running into the gaps behind. So again, you, you wouldn't rule that out as a as an option. Yeah, I agree it's with you. It's, it's systemic really. It's like there are team shapes that Sterling would be probably your first choice in. Yeah. But this, but the one that Gareth Southgate is going to play, I believe, is not one of them. So as you say, it's about you are you are almost picking number tens in, in the wide roles, or certainly people who can do both. And I think Sterling, when he's kind of playing a little bit more inverted, is not quite as effective. And I'd say that's been proven really in a number of England games actually since the Euros. Mm. I think uh, the story of the World Cup might be a lack of evolution from Gareth Southgate because not necessarily the pragmatism in terms of the system, but actually that, you know, my trusted players that have done it for me in previous competitions, will he rely on a Sterling? Will he rely on a Maguire? Because they've done it before, even possibly a Pickford. And will one of those players be one of the ones that lets him down in this tournament anyway? We'll wait and see on that one. We'll also be waiting to find out whether Gareth Southgate wants to continue after the World Cup. And that, and look, it all depends on the outcome, whether the FA want him to continue, of course. What do we think of Southgate's future? Guaranteed for a couple more years? Because I personally think he's already got fed up of the job and actually he'll walk come what may after the tournament. Me too, yeah. I agree. I think you see a, someone who's kind of made peace with that as well a little bit. I think we might be reading too much into it, but he seems like he, he's accepted now that this is the impossible job <laughs> and that he whatever he does apart from win the World Cup, which is going to be an enormous achievement if it's done, it will never be good enough. So I think, come what may, whether he wins it, there's nothing else to do, he's got to go. Uh, and if he, if they, whatever whatever the result is, that's, that's kind of beneath that, I think probably he's, he's come to an end and the, his time, the time will be right for him to leave. Yeah, I mean, he's got, he has got two years left on his, his contract, but, mm. uh, you know, he's not a guy, I mean, I think, you know, he, he will take note of, shall we say, the, the mood um, and... You know, say given that I sort of feel like I've been rightly or wrongly having to try and defend um, defend him after the last two tournaments, you just think, what's going to be the reaction if we, you know, get to the quarterfinals, which will be seen as failure in 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 you know eyes in comparison, and he'll be left in no doubt that all right, you've had three three cracks, time for someone else. So I don't think it's a given that he's out, but I, you know, I think um, it's, we, we have to have an expectation that that's not, not unlikely. He's most likely to go if he wins the World Cup. I think that would be the, you know, that's when he, if, if he's got any sense at all, and I think he has, he's an intelligent bloke. If he did win the World Cup, he would go then because there's, there's just no point. There's no point spoiling it. Let's not spoil things. That would be it. I think if he reached the semi-final stage, the FA would be really keen to make sure he sticks with his contract and keeps going. That would be seen as a, a success and something to keep building on. But I think we're all in agreement. There's a light has gone out somewhere with him. And he probably, you know, as Matt was alluding to, he probably feels like, hang on a minute, you know, reached a final, reached a semi-final. Why am I considered to be such a failure? I'm not enjoying this one jot. I don't think the light's gone out. No, I, just I, think, I, I think it's been it's just kind yeah. of like been dimmed to a comfortable. Well, I think level. it's just hard. I think <laughs> and he's just he knows he's found the job. He knows where he is. You know, it's not as you know, it's not as if he didn't know the job was hard when he took it. I mean, he 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 knew that more than anyone. But I think it's just yeah, reinvention is is really hard as a manager. You know, he's you know, we've seen it in every job 
club jobs that actually, you know, if you do a job for four or five years, you, you are constantly tested about how you refresh things, how you refresh your method, how you refresh your messages, how you refresh it. And that, that's hard. That is really hard. We've seen the top managers sometimes struggle with that. And um, I just think he's hit a phase with it where it has felt super hard in that respect. And, you know, if, if I, I think it will just come down to a, a sort of almost a smell test that however far England get and there is just that sense of is my job done is my time done I say I don't think it's a given but you know given that we're all sort of predicting England go quarterfinals at best you wouldn't be surprised if he just says look you know I've given it my best shot if England even if they have a disappointing tournament say they are eliminated at the second round quarterfinal but they play with a blaze of glory and go for it in every game and we see a different England we suddenly see a, a different Southgate who knows a leather jacket Instead of a waistcoat this time around, if he is a new man in Qatar, then yeah, he why, can, maybe just... he can continue. New haircut, maybe shaves off the beard, goes clean shaven. If he can reinvent himself, a la Madonna over the years, then he can stay on. Which face as which, England manager? Which I think which it's, I, of the Madonna metal, the metal coned bra. I think that, <laughs> if he can do that in this tournament, then I am fully behind Gareth Southgate staying on as manager. He brings out the sex book. As well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, the, the thing is, again, you written the, it. <laughs> <laughs> this is where I mean look, I, I do get the point and uh, you know in an ideal world you know coaches can reinvent but ultimately there is you know that's like asking any of us to have a personality transplant I mean you know it it doesn't usually happen does it you know people mm. have methods people have personalities people have sort of you know their their habits their ingrained beliefs and what's worked for England before I suspect he will try and make work for England again okay that's England wrapped up we're going to talk about Wales and the tournament as a whole after this 
can still perform. Ben Davis can still perform at the same level because they are the spine of the team and they are so integral to everything Wales have done so well over this generation. Gareth Bale has gone to Los Angeles FC, 13 appearances, only played one game in October, one game in November. Maybe that's a good thing for his body, but at least he's had a little bit of a run of games since the start, mid-July, I guess, uh, out in the United States. He seems happy anyway, and they will need him to provide some magic once again at this tournament if they're to do well. But the big question is whether he can still do it. Well, he's playing more than he did for Real Madrid, so that's a positive, isn't it? I mean, what's more nurturing for your football psyche than to be warming the bench, knowing that you actually have done great things for a great club, but for some reason you've become despised and marginalised, or going out to America, fresh start, making your priority, making sure you're fit for Wales's first World Cup appearance since 1958, I think that makes him in a better place. I mean, there's no escaping he's getting older, but it's panned out, I think, reasonably well. Sure, we'd like him to be playing more regularly at a a level that we consider to be uh, more competitive than it is over there. But, you know, he's, pro- he's proved that he can do this magic trick of when he plays for Wales, overcoming the niggly injuries and putting in performances that are, are acceptable at, at the top international level. And also he doesn't have, he doesn't have the ego thing. He's, um, he's one of the lads. There was, um, there was a shot of him doing the laundry for Wales recently, I think. I mean, you know, he, he makes them all feel better about themselves. So even if he doesn't have 90 minutes in him per Wales appearance, his presence will be uplifting. And I think they'll, you know, in a, in a weird way, even if he only makes a cameo appearance, it'll be enough for them to feel they've got a superstar in their midst and all things are possible. Well, I, I do think that, I mean, that could be an interesting test for Rob Page, who I think, is, you know, he's done an excellent job, but it could be, you know, a test of him about how much time he gives Bale because on form, it's quite possible that Bale will only merit cameo appearances. You know, they have got other options in in, in those roles. And, and I think, you know, say it'd be interesting for him whether he just say, look, uh, you know, he is the superstar. He is, you know, the Galactico of this squad. But actually, maybe he only merits a 20-minute tw- run here or there in, in the game. Oh, that won't happen. But he won't sulk. He won't sulk no, if it won't, is but what happens. That, that, that could be a real, you know, I think I think Rob Page would have some really interesting decisions on that. And, I, I think Rob Page has been not lucky. Lucky is the wrong word. But I think the unearthing of the likes of Brennan Johnson and obviously the pace that Dan James brings. And obviously you've got Kiefer Moore who comes in and out of, of the Harry starting Wilson. role. Harry Wilson, yeah. And, exactly. and Harry Wilson. But there's energy around that area of the pitch that means Bale doesn't have to provide But that's exactly it. it. That's what, you know, if you, if you get Wales' best shot is by being young and energetic. Yeah. And, and actually, because I think it's, you know, it is a tough, we've said this already, it's a really tough group. And, you know, this American team are going to be you know, really, yeah. really high on work rate energy. Yeah. So I think you're going to have to, you might have to just match that. And that is where the question mark will be over Bale. Can, can he perform in a team that actually says, ultimately, you know, this is going to come down to some basics about high energy and, you know, um, high intensity. The, the, but one of the things for Gareth Bell's inclusion that supports it is the change in psychology in the team when he's on the pitch yeah. because there's a belief that anything's possible as long as he's on and obviously being the captain I think he does lead them in, in he's a fantastic captain for his nation I think he does both leads by example in terms of what he does with the ball but also leads by example in terms of 
what he says on the pitch and the messages he delivers. I mean, he's more positive than I think a lot of people give him credit for because he's quite quiet as a superstar of football. But I think it is massive psychologically that he stays on the pitch for a long time. And usually he does. Usually he does in these big games stay on the pitch for as long as they can get out of him, which I don't know this time around might be 70 minutes. But if, if he comes off the bench, that makes the opposition wobble. He's still got that aura. So no matter what, say it's goalless and he comes off the bench in the 80th minute, that will make anyone in that group wobble a bit. I actually think the the, the more pressing one for Wales is, is the middle of the park. Aaron Ram, two two more stalwarts, Aaron Ramsey and Joe Allen, who's who's been injured since September, I think. Really behind them, you're talking about like yeah. Morel, who, who plays Joe League Morel. One for yeah. Portsmouth. Like they, they need them to be. They've played Ethan Ampadu yeah, they, in midfield yeah. before. There is not a lot of quality no, in but, behind. Yeah, that's the kind of probably the weakest point of their team behind the behind the kind of as you say the the stalwarts from yeah. from past achievements. So. I think they particularly need Joe Allen to be fit and, and healthy and yeah. ready to play and, and play 90 minutes, really. Yeah, and the other thing is talk that Ramsey goes deeper if Joe Allen's not fit and plays in his role. But I think they lose something big in terms of Aaron Ramsey's ability to pop up with a goal, a late run in and around the box. I think he's just got that talent that they, they need to unearth but something. He's had, but... you know, typically, you know, which rather reflects, obviously, his last few years, he's had stop, you know stop-start time at Nice as well, Yeah, you know, Couple of couple of injuries in the mix, so it's not not being simple for him either. But well, they have they have real energy. I mean, Roberts the wing back, Nick, Nico Williams, oh yeah. Forrest wing back. As I've said, James and Brennan Johnson, young, hungry, quick, dynamic. You know, up and down for ninety minutes. They've got players who can mask. Yeah. <laughs> they can kind of, you know, there's a bit of a give and take. They can mask the, the. Listen, they're not scared of anything. They do have energy. I think one of the big things for Wales is they have the same plan in basically every game. There might be a small tweak. It might be sort of sometimes two with one in behind up front, or it might be the one key for more with two in behind him. But generally speaking, there's the basis and understanding of how they want to play. They've obviously got great speed if they want to play just on the counter-attack, Johnson and James, and they've done well against big teams, the Netherlands in particular in terms of the Nations League as well. So I don't think they'll fear anyone. And I, they also have, as a small nation, I hate to dwell on these things that aren't exactly tactical, no, you do, right? but the spirit, spirit yeah. of Wales, the fans, the squad, the fact it is the first World Cup in 64 years will make a huge difference. Bear in mind what the England players will be going through. Nothing but criticisms, even if they win the first game against Iran. It's true. And they go into a game against Wales, even if they lose that game against the United States. It's so huge to play England at a World Cup for them. A draw, you know, it might be one of those Wales wins 1-1 type situations. But ultimately, even for them to go into a tournament, and we saw it in the Euros, to play against England, it will be a hell of a game. If they win the first game at the United Sta- against the United States, knowing that you beat England, go through... You know, it just means that, that however, whoever scores the first goal in that game, there'll be a massive wobble, whether it's England or Wales, whoever it might be. Huge game, you know, and I know we'll look ahead to it at the time. But I think Wales do have enough to go out of this group for sure. It's so liberating to be Wales, though. They had an open top parade just for beating Belgium. I mean, that's that's how behind them they are. It doesn't, you know, they don't have to win anything for people to celebrate. And I do think there's something equally liberating about being a team which comprises a Galactico and someone from League Two. That huge, (laughs) the raft of different types of background and experience and they all come together because of one passion. I think that it's something we you can't replicate with England. It's just not there. Maybe that's that, Gareth's mistake. You should have picked someone from League Two. I think well, I'm fully behind that message. <laughs> <laughs> but got... yeah, it's, it's, it's unifying to know that you're all coming together for one reason, 
there's something we can't even grasp that from an English point of view. No, I listen. I totally agree with you on that. I think sometimes the thing that's thing that's held England back is I've written about it in the past. If you're from a smaller nation, there's sort of a shared sense of community within the squad and all of the coaching staff and a real understanding of who and what you're doing it for. And that's the thing that I think has held England back. So, you know, a very, very multicultural England squad. I don't... But that is what, I mean, without turning this into the Gareth Southgate part seven, um, <laughs> that is what he successfully did, wasn't it? That is, you know... He, to bring he, unity. Yeah, and, and humility. I think that was the biggest thing he brought. Well, he gave it a good shot. Yeah, I mean, but he did, he made, he, he you know, dared to make us... You know, he came in and just said, uh, why am I under pressure in this job to win a tournament? We haven't won anything for 700 years, you know, and, and he brought that he brought that understanding of actually the success will or may be judged on whether we win anything. But actually, this is, you know, is that is the line that's certainly been used in rugby about leaving the shirt in a better place. I mean, yeah. that's that is part of the mission. You may or may not win something, but you can do the job to the best of your ability and leave the shirt in a better place. And I think there was certainly, you know, maybe that has been eroded, undermined in the last year, but I certainly think he did that brilliantly for the first uh, two tournaments. But he's never, ever managed to make England greater than the sum of its parts. Which Wales are. Which most nations are, actually. It's a different challenge, though. We just acknowledged why it's a different challenge. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know. But listen, the the best coaches can get more out of their players and more out of their team. He's got more. I've said it. We can go around. In the fact, circles, he, he's got more out of the the group of players England have at their disposal than anyone since Alf Ramsey. You so, think so? It's a fact. No, it's uh, listen. I know that. Listen, I know what they did in terms of where they got in the tournaments, but in terms of the teams they played, and in terms of the quality of player that was in his team, has he really? Like it's all good to say. I know, I know. Those are the facts. Those are we got to a final. I know that we got to a semi final in the World Cup. But when you look at the opposition, we played against teams that we we would almost expect England to not necessarily beat, but you know certainly compete against, if not beat. In terms of the big nations, the best teams in world football, when it's come down to it, we haven't. Well, we did. We you know did the Nations League. We knocked Spain and Croatia out. I mean, you know, it's, it's yeah. That's the biggest competitions, Matt. Come on. <laughs> Not that, the, that's not all the news the... as well, Matt. You got relegated on the way past Scotland too. The real competition. Let's get this World Cup out of the way. And just to go back to the point on the midfield for Wales, by the way, and some of those players underneath the bigger names that you might remember. If Joe Allen's not fit, if Aaron Ramsey's not fit, you're into the likes of Matt Smith from MK Dons, Dylan Levitt from Dundee United, Joe Morrell from Portsmouth. So you get the point there. I've got to say, Johnny Williams of Swindon Town should get a special mention on this podcast because of all the big players in world football who pulled the illness card this weekend Johnny Williams is making sure that he is on that plane to Qatar and you deserve it my son all right didn't play this weekend why should he for that matter okay he's (laughs) off to the World Cup but yeah look I think Wales will be a serious prospect and I think Rob Page by the way deserves huge credit for what they've done so they will have a plan and they will be a very difficult team to beat in this tournament whether Gareth Bale is at 100% or not Just before we end, let's talk about the World Cup as a whole. Qatar 2022. Of course, so much said about deaths of migrant workers, treatment of LGBTQIA plus community, criminalised, of course, in that nation. The corruption alleged that went into the uh, tournament being awarded to Qatar make for quite a negative picture as we go into this World Cup. Of course, it's been moved to the winter, short preparation. I mean, I could go on with the negatives, accommodation, weather. We'll keep going. There's plenty, all right? And as it lands now on us, the next thing we have to look forward to in football, 
how are we feeling about it? Yeah, it's it's such a tough one to answer. Mixed that every conversation I have with mates who you know some are you know know that as soon as the first ball is kicked they're just going to be glued to formats you know the timing you know mates already talking about how they're going to skive off work and you know <laughs> sort of set up computers at work and pretend they're 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 working while watching you know four matches a day and there will be a whole raft of that i suspect there's another big crew that will be you know this is just from anecdotal evidence that are going to wait and see how england do and if england look like they're going to tank or you know underperform again a sort of almost sort of ah i told you this was a disgrace of a tournament and and yeah. sort of interest will become partial or wane so i you know i think there is quite a you know i, I suspect and it will be a real minority who say the the wrongs of Qatar, of which you just listed, and are many and are you know scandalous in all sorts of ways, will turn off completely. I mean, certainly some of our readers are responding to articles, some saying that they won't. Um, so that's you know, and I think as a newspaper and a podcast and everything else, it's going to be really interesting how we get the balance right over the next month. You know, because that there are all these views out there, and all are valid and all are you know understandable. So I think as 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 media we have an interesting challenge as well to both understand this is a football tournament and understand it is a complete one-off tournament that has many ills and wrongs in reaching this point. You call it that until Saudi Arabia bid for the competition and then suddenly it's not a one-off, you know? Well, true. Instead, they use this as the litmus test and say, well, we've done it before, you know? So it's an interesting one. I do think as, um, you know, in terms of what we're going through in terms of economic turmoil, when we get the Q3 results through for 2022 uh, and it shows the productivity of the entire world slow during the <laughs> month of December, there might be some questions to answer as, as well. Alison, we know you didn't want to go to Qatar. How are you feeling about it now? Well, I'm not regretting the decision one, one iota. I literally have no desire to sit in a stadium that I knew, know should not have been built in the first place. There was no need for it to happen and for so many people to have died in its construction is is really quite disgusting. But my hope is, and I'm not boycotting the football, I'm going to be podcasting, I'm going to be writing, I will probably be enjoying the football, but my big hope is that we will see enough words, gestures from the teams involved. And there is there are signs that there will be some, that it's a constant reminder that this is, the backdrop is, is unpalatable and immoral. And that's, Whilst I don't expect at all Qatar to change or take note, the, the signs are that they won't. It's happening. If we can, if we can just not forget the fact that it shouldn't be happening, I'll just about cope. I think. I mean, as you know, I fly flags from my house. It's it's a tourist attraction. Don't knock it, Gregor. It's yeah, good, it's good for the local business. <laughs> but um, the rule has always been because I've been doing this since I was. Um, a teenager the rule has always been the hosts get a flag they will not be getting a flag there will be no Qatar flag flying from my house that just makes me feel a tiny bit better about it okay alright how are you feeling yeah I kind of echo everything that's been said it's, there's been some really interesting stuff written in the last week or so about about that kind of conflict about you know it, some people think it should be boycotted and others are saying it, you know, no, that, that time is long gone that should have been yeah. in the immediate aftermath in 2010 and then there's been some interesting stuff about whether the extent to which Qatar hosting this World Cup will improve or has improved things for in terms of workers' rights and things like that. And the consensus seems to be like a very little small bit, but that's not justification for awarding them a tournament in the first place. So I think the the answer is it's kind of all very nuanced. It's like we all agree that this should not be happening there. It never should have. It was, as you have to pre, uh, prefix it with the words alleged, allegedly corrupt. Great piece in the 
paper last week about 17 of the 22 committee members who, who voted through this have now been either banned or indicted or accused of wrongdoing or corruption. Fear, just the fear. extent to which this stinks is incredible and just being reminded of that. So, But we do have to kind of, at least to some extent, park that, and not entirely, and focus on the football because it still is a World Cup and, and uh, I, I'm, I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to enjoy the football. I hope I'm going to enjoy the football. But we have got to remember all these things as well. Yeah. Okay, we'll try our best to on the game podcast and we'll try our best to reflect that in the Times newspaper as well. Remember, we're going to have so much for you, not just, I have to say, Gregor, not just focused on the football. We'll be, of course, writing in our news pages and our sport pages about some of the wider context around this World Cup. So make sure you do download the Times app. Make sure you are subscribed. Get it wherever you get your apps from, but you can also subscribe directly to the game at thetimes.co.uk forward slash the game. A reminder, this is just part one of our World Cup preview. We've got another one on the way with Tony Cascarino, so make sure you look out for that in the next couple of days. That means you just hit that notification bell and we will let you know whenever one of our episodes arrives, which during the course of the World Cup, at least until we reach the quarterfinals, we will be doing for you daily, okay? My thanks to Alison Rudd, Matt Dickinson and Gregor Robertson and to all of you for listening. We will see you very, very soon from the World Cup. VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 